Welcome to Oh Captain, My Captain. Uh, my name is Mark Olver. I'm here with the magnificent and chilled out Ricky Macindo. Hello, Mark. How's it going? Honestly, the adjectives you give me extend every single time. Well, no, but it's based on the conversation that we literally just had, where you were talking about having a lovely chilled out day. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. I'm very relaxed. I haven't been this restful in a very long time. I mean, you are someone who comes across as permanently quite chilled out. So <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever seen you stressed about any situation. Yeah, but in, in reality, I'm on a knife's edge all the time. Being like, oh, medicine placement, stand-up comedy. But I haven't had any gigs this week, so it's it's been very restful. What are you... Uh, talk to me about where you are medicine-wise at the moment. So, yeah. like, how long have you got left? Do you have mm-hmm. to make decisions? Like, mm-hmm. what's happening? Okay, so I am in my final year. I start as a doctor at the end of July. Uni finishes in, like, mid-June. So right now, what, I have, like four months left or whatever. Um, but I've done all my finals, done all my exams. Um, so now I'm just waiting to hear where I'll be placed next year. Um, we've got our results, but we don't know where we're going. So it looks like uh, I, I'll probably get my first choice, which was Oxford, Oxfordshire area, because um, it's halfway between Bristol and London, which will be good for gigs. And it's near uh, my family as well in Bedfordshire. So yeah, so I am honestly... This is the least I have ever had to do in my entire life. And I don't know what to do at the time. Oh, so hold on. So have you not got any more studying left? No, I mean, I've got one more exam to come back. But like, as long as I've passed that, I don't have to retake it. I'm done. What? So it's like, so we're recording this late February. Yeah. And so what do you do now? Like, what what do you do? Well, so what we have to do on a day-to-day basis is go into placement, but it's an autonomous decision whether or not we go into the hospital. Um, so basically, I'm just got, I've just got nothing to do at four o'clock on a Thursday. And it's actually crazy like, trying to fill your time because you just realise how much of your life is just working and doing the stuff that you have to do. Oh, mate, I am amazing at killing time. I am amazing <laughs> at killing time. That is your whole time. job. That is oh, your whole I'm- job. Absolutely. So do you then, like, is there a day that you then are a doctor? Like, could use the word, you know, Dr. Ricky? Uh, So, yeah, so there'll be a day once. So it'll be like probably in like two months time if I've done all the attendance BS and I've done because I still have to technically attend all the mandatory tutorials and stuff. And the uni will send us an email saying, congratulations, you've passed the year. You can now refer to yourself as a doctor. However, there is no governing body that does this. So if you want to put doctor or lord in front of your passport or whatever, who's going to come after you? Like, I don't think it's illegal. And who wants to deal with that BS? Wow. So and then you said that you haven't gigged this week. No, I haven't gigged this week, but I do have a gig tomorrow. Uh, Where's your gig tomorrow? In Oxford for Alex Farah. 
lovely. Um, so, well, enough about you and your shit. Let's talk about me. Yeah, uh, that's important. Oh, Dan's here, by the way. I don't know if he's... He's he in. Yeah, he's here. He's in the waiting room. I activated the waiting room. Bring him in because he can, because he, we can talk about the thing that I was just about to talk about. Um, uh, and we can, uh, we can share his thoughts on this, um, literally as we're going ahead. Because I've done a very odd gig this week. Hi, Dan Tiernan. Hello, Mark Oliver. Hello, Ricky. Hi, Ricky. Hi, Dan. How's it going? You good? Very good, thank you. We've not met, have we? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I, I've definitely heard your name before, but we've never had the pleasure. Oh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan, we were, uh, we were doing the preamble, and we were at the preamble, we do like, you know, how has your week been? What have you been up to? And I was just about to tell Ricky about the slightly odd gig that I had on Friday night. And what's great about that is that I've got a witness to that slightly odd gig in the room uh, because I did the warm-up for the National Comedy Awards uh, that were live <laughs> on Channel 4 on Friday night. <laughs> and, I was thinking, um, who's this witness? Oh, shit, <laughs> And Dan Tiernan, uh, a slightly more drunk Dan Tiernan, <laughs> was, uh, was there. Um that was a mad one, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder, can you be a witness 12 Proseccos in? I'm not sure if that would be allowed in court. <laughs> um, yeah, I just remember, like, everyone, like, just, like, milling around at the start, just talking in big groups. And then you just started speaking from the gods, and I was like, oh, shit, Mark's going to have to <laughs> sort this out. But it must have been quite useful for you that you knew everyone, because you started it to was name really... people. Yeah. It was really good. So the National Comedy Awards, it's the second year in their incarnation. <clears throat> and it's all a little bit confusion because uh, so you won the BBC New Comedy Awards last year, um, which I also did the warm up for. And this is the National Comedy Awards. And it used to be called the British Comedy Awards. Someone weirdly still owns the name British Comedy Awards. So... Really? Yeah, so if you want to find out that person by the name British Comedy Awards off them, and you can start running your own British Comedy Awards if you want to. But this is the National Comedy Awards at the Roundhouse in Camden. Um, have you? Did you watch it on TV, Ricky? Or are you aware of what it was? No, no, I didn't watch it on TV because I assumed we would talk about it and you'd have some wacky thing to tell me. So I was like, I'll come in nice and fresh. Dan, that was Ricky. Ricky's having a, <laughs> a laid-back day today. That sounded <laughs> like sarcasm, but actually that was Ricky just going, frankly, I just can't be fucked to do anything to <laughs> I really can't. I really can't. You know me so well. Tell me what <laughs> happened. So, National Comedy Awards, uh, what is it? Like, best stand-up, best on TV, best actress on TV, best panel show, but it's basically, and it's raising money for Stand Up to Cancer, but it's basically like, I suppose, an industry get together. Dan, I mean, you did, were you there last year, or was this your first year? This is the first one, and I've been to like lots of industry things before, but of all of them, this was the most industry one, I reckon. 
It was just like, it felt like how everyone many, was there. Yeah, how many people were there? Yeah, 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 yeah. That were famous. <laughs> like, yeah, it was mad. You were, so your table, your sort of, your agency, Blue Book, had a table, I noticed. So there were lots of people from your agency around your table, but I think you have Bob Mortimer just in front of your table. Is that right? Scarily close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very near. <laughs> Bob Mortimer. Who else did you? Uh, who else did you see who was like super famous? Um, let me think. Well, self esteem was there, wasn't she? She's pretty yep. famous. Uh, uh, John Richardson, obviously. Uh, Sandy Toxville, Phil Wang, like yeah. Loads. I'm trying to think. There must be someone I saw that was like, oh, Bill Bailey. Uh, yeah. Uh, who, who, who? There was other people there, though, wasn't there? Mark? Oh, there were no. Well, Joe Lysett was just in front Joe of Joe Lysett. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sharon Horgan was there. The cast of Ghosts. Like, it's mad. But Muggins, my job is to stand on stage trying to tell those people to shut up, basically. Mm. Um. And so it's kind of like a uh, half warm-up gig, but half basically just crowd control, really. Yeah. It didn't seem like you got much of an opportunity to do anything fun for you on that one. I got no opportunity, but that was fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because I was sort of... It's it's famously in the past, when it was the British Comedy Awards, it was famously the worst job for any warm-up. But I always <laughs> think to myself, well, I sort of know everyone, so... I think anyone's going to be horrible to me. I think they know deep down within them that I know where the bodies are buried. And I just <laughs> don't think they're going to give me that much shit. So, yeah. uh, at, so at one yeah. point, at one point you named an agency and said that table, you can see you all talking and that shuts everyone up. The second you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the off the curve. I think it was the off the yeah. agency. Yeah, I, did, I, I think didn't it, want was to the, say. it was. It was yeah. the off the curb table, and they were just down to my right, and they were all chatting, and I know them all very, very well. So, uh, so yeah, so I was able. I'm able to tell off people that I know. Uh, I'm not going to tell off, you know. Uh, if I'm honest, Bob Morton could do whatever Bob Morton wants. Yeah, to yeah, Bob, yeah. <laughs> Bob Morton is amazing. Um, Ricky, it's amazing, and it it was properly like um, uh, I don't know. Like it felt like a school prom. Everyone yeah. was sort of dressed up really fancy, and then and Dan was. I introduced Dan to a couple of people, and it was really great because you could tell that he was absolutely shit faced, but was still, <laughs> but was still quite well behaved. It was really good. It was quite impressive. Thank you. That's really what I need to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are going to talk today. Now, this is something for the last couple of weeks. We everything on this show has been a little bit. What would you say, Ricky? Telly, a bit industry, right? Very industry, very like insider telly. How to be famous in entertainment? Yeah, and doing scripts and like last week we spoke to Simran, who is one of the commissioners for Channel Four, and. I wanted to take it back to stand-up specifically. And this is something that I... So we're going to talk about fives, tens, fifteens, and twenties. So 
Ricky Masindo, when I say those phrases to you, you're cool with that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not just like the times table. You mean the minutes of stand-up sets. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. when yeah. when we started doing this episode just over 30 episodes ago, can mm. you can you try and take your mind back to there mm-hmm. and try and realize did you think that those times were important? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean, I guess I still do on some level like I mean, there's there's basically just like when you're starting out, it's the levels of stand up kind of. So like the classic thing is the goal is to get a tight five, uh, like in the American way. That's like undeniable. Then you can start moving to a ten. You can move to a fifteen. Move to a twenty, and kind of like a twenty is sort of I, I guess the minimum that would be expected from like a club comic kind of. A famous comedian it's it's kind of where or they all kind of rest their hats but then once you start getting like some traction maybe you'd start doing your little edinburgh shows you start doing like an hour and stuff so it's just like kind of a good way of indicating where someone is in their comedy development i guess and when you started dan did you sort of know like before starting stand-up did you know that fives tens fifteens were a thing no, I don't think I did. Um, not straight away, anyway. And it doesn't sound like a big thing. If you tell like uh, someone who's not a comic, I'll be like, "Oh yes, I'm doing fifteen because I'm feeling jammy because that's easier." And they're, yeah. they're like, "Well, it's five, it's five more minutes." But yeah, that's years of jokes, really. If you think about it, to get a good five. So yeah, <laughs> I did a comedy course. So. I which you don't need to do you don't learn that much but like you do learn some little things like we were told to focus on our five and sort of 20s were sort of what you do to get paid basically uh yeah so I knew that but it wasn't really years in until I properly grappled my head around the difference between the different steps and how it's quite crucial I would say to break them down and and focus on them sort of individually I think yeah I um so there's a, I do the warm up. I don't know if you, either of you know this, but I do a bit of TV warm up. I don't know if it's ever come up. No, um, no. Never mentioned. And no, I no. do the, so I do Taskmaster. And there was an episode of Taskmaster, um, which I don't even think has gone on the telly yet, where the cast had to do a particular task for exactly 20 minutes. And the cast were predominantly this one stand ups. And so when they were talking about the task and they showed it into the audience, the, the people were like, oh, yeah, no, I just remembered what my 20 was. Yeah. And then I just sort of did it to my 20. And so I didn't need a clock because I just did my 20. And I went on in the ad break and I, I asked the audience to put their hand up if they knew that that's how stand-ups talk about our stuff, you know, that that's mm. how stand-ups talk about our lives. And some people put their hands up, but I would say 80% of people had no idea that stand-ups are fixated with 5s, 10s, 15s and 20s. Mm. Mm. I, I don't even think the average comedy club goer knows that you're even timed. I think they all just mm. think you go on and have a go and get off when you're done. They don't know that we're fixating by the minute on how long we've done the whole time. Yeah, Ooh, I did a uh, I did a job yesterday. Um, I 
I think I might have to be slightly vague, but basically I was doing a job um, for a test event for some virtual reality comedy shows. And oh, they're wow. filming these shows in virtual reality. And I was emceeing and the guy from the club, so not the virtual reality people, was like, oh, so when do you want your light? And I'm like, I'll oh, give me it at eight. That'll be fine. And um, the person behind the VR was like, well, no, you can't have a light like because the light will be on VR and that'll <laughs> confuse everyone. And we're like, yeah, but that's how comedians work. Like we literally, yeah. mm. like you do a 10, light me at eight or you do a 10, you go, oh yeah. Like I usually take a light much earlier. I, if I'm doing 20, I'll take a light at 17 because I'm so yeah. fucking waffly that I need to kind of uh, find a way out of it and stuff. Um, you, uh, how do you feel about that, Ricky? Are you kind of, because you sort of, you were so confident from day one. Did you feel, were you nervous about doing a five for the first time? Ah, uh, was I nervous about doing a five? I mean, when I first started, I like would time myself like vigorously saying it to the mirror all the time. So for me, at first, it was actually like a script that I knew was going to be five minutes long or whatever. So, but the thing is, what I didn't realize is when you go on stage, if people are laughing, it adds time to it. So it's kind of like there's almost no point in rehearsing it like that. So that's something that I had to learn. But um, I think when I first started, I thought five minutes was ages to talk, like just non interrupted speech for five minutes it's it's like when you think about it most people that's like their nightmare just getting up in front of a crowd of people and talking for five minutes and hopefully getting their attention uh what about you dan did you kind of was did five feel i don't know scary or quite natural when you first did it I know. I guess. I guess once I did it, I was like, "That's not as long as you think," because it just goes so. The first few went so like I, I. I didn't even remember them then. Like straight away, I was like, "That was a blur." Like so, I guess once you do it, you're like, "It's not long at all." But then when you start focusing on trying to make it good, then it's really long because mm. you're like, "Well, that joke works," but that's twenty seconds, and then you're like, "Oh my gosh." Uh, yeah, and I, I, but I do think a big mistake you make is that you go to 10 dead easily. Like, you really want to start doing longer, like, straight away. Mm. I guess because you like the way it feels and you want to, and it goes too fast and you want to lean into it. But I think that dilutes it a lot. Like, I think, yeah. I, I think, I think just because you can stand it out for 10 minutes and feel confident doesn't, you need to focus. Yeah. I think mm. th that's the thing everyone says to you when you start, but no one listens. It's like really focus on the five. Like I don't think people get quite how good your five has to be before you can move on to, to tens. Mm. So yeah. Do you like, do you think it's that important? And I'll tell you why I mm -hmm. genuinely mm. don't think I have ever had a good five minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> I also don't think that, John Richardson, Russell Howard, Will Hodgson, or John Robbins, that any of us ever had a good five minutes? Like, Russell <coughs> was in the final of So You Think You're Funny in 99 and the BBC in 2001. Um, he's the only one of us who ever did really well in a competition. 
Um, and he was, uh, and even then, I was at his BBC Heat when he was meant to do five minutes, and he ended up doing nine. Like, Russell has never had a five. And I think there's something about us lot. We started, there were fewer people around. We had more flexibility, more freedom on stage. We yeah. never, never had a time. I reckon I could probably have a nice five now. I reckon I've got stuff, but I'd, no, I'd have no fucking idea what my best five, what my, like, my tight, you know, because they do it in, is it Montreal you have to do a five, I think? Montreal, yeah, Comedy Festival, whatever, yeah. Yeah, and there's a couple of these gala gigs in Australia and the TV gigs. I've got no idea what my five is. I, I don't think I've got a good five at all. Yeah, I mean, part, part of that is like, it's quite, it's because uh, part of the reason people say you should get a tight five isn't necessarily because it's like, oh, you need to have tight five before you move on to a 10. I mean, that's part of it. But it's also because like, if you're in a situation like a competition or an, an open mic night or whatever, you need like a short amount of comedy to show how good you are in the smallest <laughs> period of time. That's, so it's such like a practical thing about the actual jokes. <laughs> But but also if you look at like Bristol and stuff like the nights that we do compared to like London whenever I've done gigs there in Bristol you can talk and talk and a lot <laughs> of the time people won't stop you it's like it's the classic like everyone in Bristol has a meandering twenty rather than a type five yeah I that makes loads of sense uh, yeah I do think you are sort of right I think the necessity of of a, of a five is because it's so overpopulated. I think you you're spot on, Ricky. Like you have to show how good you are with not very much time at all. And for me, that's been like my bread and butter. Like it was really really hard for me to move into twenties for that exact reason. Like mm. gong shows. There's a, a lot of well, there was when I started a lot of gong shows in Manchester, and they were sort yeah. of what. I mean, that's a whole other episode, I guess. Gong shows. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, yeah, and sort of later on, I that's when I started to do really well in competitions. And I think that was because of, like, the years, uh, yeah, of focusing on my five. But what, what, I, what I would say is I do think now I think about it is, like, if you have got a really healthy, supportive scene like Bristol, where you can be doing longer and you can be trying your 15s and your 20s out, then there's obviously no harm in that at all. But mm. I think I would personally encourage anyone to still be constantly working on their five like whenever they've got a new joke that's their favorite joke see if they can get that in with their five to like really just make it boom 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 like yeah, yeah. but i guess I, but like, every comic's different aren't they mark like i'm not that waffly i wouldn't say and i, I waffly is the wrong word i guess but i don't really have big pieces they're all quite quick uh, so I guess it suits my style to really try and cram as many in as possible, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think because you've done, like, you won the BBC with a five. You won the uh, British Comedian of the Year with a ten. So, like, when, <laughs> when you talk about that five, did you mm -hmm. know when you were entering the BBC, did you know, do you structure a five? Like, when we start... You just have all your ideas and you just think, oh, shit, okay, I've got to do five minutes. I'm going to throw all the shit against the wall and hope that lasts for five minutes. 
And then when you've done your first five, you go, okay, shit, I've got 30 minutes. So I can then take the best five out of that 30. I can scrape that shit off the wall and I can put mm-hmm. it into a nice five minutes. Mm-hmm. Do you... Did you specifically think about like your competition sets or your gong sets and like the pacing, the structure to hit five minutes? Yeah, massively, massively. Like moving things around, put that there, then you can put a call back there. And they're like, yeah, really, really thinking about it. The BBC in particular, I put my set for that was under like a microscope. Like that sounds so pretentious. But what I mean by that is I was just like, thinking about it constantly like do I do that joke and that joke's not that that is a bit too weak but if I don't do that joke then the next one makes no sense and all of that kind of thing uh so so yeah I'd say do you write it down do you like are you a scribbler or a post-it noter or uh like what what do you do I've never I've, I've still never found like basically six years in I've still never found like a surefire Thing. I mean, if I'm really nervous for something, often the nerves comes from you worrying about remembering things. Mm. So the best ways I, I will just write bullets of what I'm going to do down. Uh, if I'm actually creating jokes, I find sort of bullets and then recording myself, recently recording myself out loud and recording it. And I'll never listen to it, but it's just so I can talk to myself. And then I'll type mm. up things and then I'll go back to bullets. Uh, but I used to really, this is where I contradict myself now, because I used to really think about, it's a bit different in competitions, particularly if it's televised, but in all my sets, I used to really think before I went on what I'm going to do. And now, which is good, helps with the nerves a little bit, because you have your clear plan and you're not worried about forgetting it. But I think takes you out of the room a bit. That's what I found. Mm. So I found if I go on and I don't actually know what joke I'm going to open with, and it's easier to do this, I guess, with the lower risk gigs. Um, I found I'm so much more in the room if I'm self-editing as I'm going along. Like, mm. yeah, so I still I'll have an idea. Like, I know what my 20 is, but I might I might randomly mix the order around whilst I'm on stage to sort of wake, wake myself up a bit almost. Can you Can you do that with a five as well? Or when you are doing fives, are you like, I need to know what I'm going to say because this is so like meticulous and organised? I think in a competition, I definitely need to know. Um, okay. Because really like, the, like it, it, if it's judged, like everything you do is facing loads of scrutiny. Mm. Like they, they will mark you down because they thought that joke's too rude or that's... Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, like... Uh, yeah, I think for that, I'd need to know, really. Um, yeah. But then what I would do is if there's an opportunity to improvise, then I will do that as well mm-hmm. and maybe have to, have to drop a joke. Or as yeah. well, like, you can usually run about, the different competitions have different rules, but most of them say you can run about a minute over. So if yeah. you've got your five, then that still gives you 30, 40 seconds for anything in the room that you can throw in um mm. i think if i was doing a five at like an open mic night which i would still do if i've got some new stuff to try out then usually if it's really low stakes i'd just go on with a couple of ideas and maybe just try and do a bit of riffing and be a bit looser in that sense yeah yeah what would you say like i mean 
because because obviously like you know you know a lot about the fives the tens like the shorter <laughs> punches stuff like what would you say is kind of the best advice you can give to having a good five minutes like is it laughs per minute like what what is it yeah i think i think it's gag rate and um, mm-hmm. so you're not waffling like mm-hmm. person i'll see what mark thinks because it's different for everyone i don't want to give you any bad advice some people might completely disagree but i found mm-hmm. is a pretty good rule is like loads of jokes as many as you can scream in and give give your personality away like as in make something that shows what's unique about you and who you mm. are. And I think that's what's really cool about fives is that a really good five can do that. Like it can be laugh a minute and also show like you're a bit of your personality and your identity. And then I like to put a call back at the end of a five, but a lot of people disagree with me there and say, you've not got anything to call back on. It's only five minutes, but <laughs> I've, I've always found like putting a call back, big finish at the end and then get off. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with almost everything. In that. Mm-hmm. I'll do the the thing I don't agree with, mm-hmm. and this this is different than what you think. I don't agree with the callback at the end thing, but not no. in the way that other people do. I mm. think you could because actually, I think in a five minutes, a callback is just structure. Yeah. So a callback is just something structural in your set. So although put it at the end if you want to. But also, I disagree with those people who say you shouldn't put a callback in a five minutes. I say put a callback in two minutes in if that mm. calls back to something that you did in the first 30 seconds because it's just structure. You know, it's just kind of how, how it all works together. Um, put that as a rule of three, and so your callback in the middle is calling back to something at the beginning of the set and then at the end of the set, you've got a third one that calls back to the first two. Like, if you can make that your five, then oh. fuck, that's a beautifully tight sort of five-minute yeah, it's, it's like a thing. like a magic trick, you know, like when you've got those little, yeah, tricks in there. And I am absolutely, like, I 100% not do. Like, I've never really done this. Like, I'm not really good at, at structure. I'm not really good at um, I'm not really good at callbacks. But I am quite good at going, oh, but oh, I get I get what you've done there that's made me interested in what you've done. The big thing is the personality thing. I think to me that for a five, for someone that watches lots of five minute sets, especially when I'm doing the BBC. The, the 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 personality. My friend Matthew Crosby described it as clarity of persona, um, uh, which I think is, and I've probably talked about it on this podcast before when we were doing competitions and stuff. Clarity of persona, I think, is is so key. Which is basically, who am I? Why am I telling you this? Why do I expect you to listen to this? Um, those jokes can kind of uh, you you can have jokes that are really uh, they really say who you are, even if they don't say you are like Dan's set involves his sexuality a little bit, his neurodivergency a little bit, and you don't have to do a joke at the beginning where I I'm a gay man with special needs. This is a no. punchline, yeah. But, 
there is a joke that is about that that doesn't have to say exactly what that is. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that does make sense. That is that is really interesting. I mean, so do you think, like, let's say people who just do gags, like, you know, just jokes, joke, joke, jokes, unrelated jokes, would you say they're kind of disadvantaged with that or do you think they can still do that? I I I think they are personally, I, and and I can only say that because I've got some really close friends who are one liner comedians, and we're always talking about like what can they do to, uh, like yeah, make a give a bit more of their personality away, so they're not just almost a robot telling jokes, you know, like, mm. uh, and it, it it can be, it definitely can be done, but I think it it, it, it it's it, I think it's more difficult when you're yeah. telling really. It's really difficult. It's really difficult. I think if you look at um, at someone like uh, Dimitri Martin, if you look at someone like uh, um, Steve Wright in America, if you look at Milton Jones, Milton's an amazing example. Milton was there on Friday, wasn't he? Did you see Milton at the Comedy Awards, Dan? Sorry, one second. Well. Oh. Sorry, I was just having some sound issues. I'm all good. What did you say, Mark? Hey, Sorry. I said Milton was there on Friday, wasn't he? Did you see Milton? <sighs> I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I tell you, there's a comedian that I'm not sure we've talked about on this podcast before. And I, I, I'm going to say we probably have because it'd be weird if we hadn't. Uh, Mitch Hedberg. We talked about Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, we have. I don't remember when, but we've definitely talked about him. Are you aware of Mitch Hedberg, Dan? Phenomenal. Yeah, amazing comic. Um, The thing about Mitch Hedberg is Mitch Hedberg was one-liners, basically. You know, there was was slightly more to it than that, but they were one-liners. But you totally got Mitch Hedberg's personality. Yeah. Yeah, because he did other things as well as the jokes. Like, he used his body, he used his sort of demeanour, he did, like, slight voices in the jokes and stuff. Yeah. So it, um, it gives gives everyone a bit more than just the jokes. And the jokes are absolutely amazing as well. That That is it. Yeah. No, that's a really... That's a, that <laughs> is a really good point. The jokes are phenomenal. There's a guy yeah. in Northern Ireland who was in the regional finals of the BBC this year um, called Johnny Bow, and he does something really interesting where he is, <coughs> he's basically a minor guy, but he wears a suit and always carries a glass of whiskey. So he just, he stands there with this glass. I don't even think he drinks the glass of whiskey. He just kind of rests it by his side. <laughs> and what's amazing about it, you instantly know who that guy is like it mm. like like he he covers he does that glass of whiskey does so much of the heavy lifting in who is your personality and i know in a couple of weeks time i want to do an episode on what comedians wear and the style and and all that sort of stuff but i do think you're right it is more difficult for people who are one liner merchants but at the same time when you, if your one liners are as good as Mitch Hedberg, Milton Jones, Tim Vine, Jimmy Carr, then 
your one-liners are doing the job, basically. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think a lot of these, you know, like Milton and Jimmy, they, I don't know if you said this when I cut out, but they they, they have a character for sure that people latch on to and to go with the jokes. Mm, yeah. Yeah, they definitely do, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I suppose that is there for their persona. You know, that is the clarity of their persona. A Jimmy Carr, you could take, I've got this thing, and again, I'm probably repeating myself, so forgive me, Ricky. Um, that is a whole podcast, every podcast. <laughs> 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 the, um, of a joke being like the amber in Jurassic Park, where, you know, they, uh, Ricky is now racking his brain to see if he remembers this analogy. But yeah, it's like you can take, you know, they they cloned all of these uh, dinosaurs from the amber from mosquitoes, and and I think there are certain jokes that that Dan has, that Jimmy Carr has, that basically good comics have, really good comics of a really good clarity of persona have that you can take a joke and give that joke to a brilliant writer for TV and that writer for TV could clone not just a set but also clone a sitcom you know like there are Dan routines where someone could go oh brilliant I could make a half an hour sitcom or I could make a, a film out of that because they sort of know how Dan will react in every situation based on mm. based on his material does that make sense Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. That's very nice for you to say. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, those jokes, like, I, my favourite jokes that I have are ones that a comedian wouldn't be able to nick off me, like, yes. because because they're not me, so it wouldn't work. And they're the ones that are so valuable, I think, because, yeah, they, they, they give, yeah, like, um, for instance, for... Uh, I think I can say this. Like when I won BBC, obviously I've got like a radio, an audio commission, and I've been in meetings with producers, and like that, they're they're a lot of the advice is to really look at the world I've already created and sort of yeah, it's just spot on what you said that that yeah, so certain jokes can can just give so much of a vision about who your comic persona is. Yeah, and that's why in a five minutes. That is so important because you've not got time. You've not got loads of time. You know, you no. have to you have to paint the picture of who you are in mm. five minutes. And so if you are Dan with a kind of a slightly ma- manic energy, would you That's are you happy more than that? fair? More than fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never sure if it's politically correct to tell to describe someone who has an actual diagnosis. <laughs> that they're acting like a maniac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you say it, Mark, actually. <laughs> no, but it, but it, does it? It is a manic persona. I, like, I, I run around and shout and scream and stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely manic. interested in this, actually, about your your diagnosis because you talk about mm. that on stage so what mm-hmm. what 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 are you dan what have <laughs> you got yeah yeah so i've got uh, on paper i've got dyspraxia uh, <laughs> uh, i think i have adhd but obviously so does everyone uh 
yeah, so I got dyspraxia, which basically affects like my spatial awareness, my coordination, my organization. Uh, there's some other stuff as well with like sort of my senses at times. Like some, I didn't used to feel pain very much as a kid and stuff. Um, yeah, so I think when I started talking about it on stage, it really it it, it meant that I could really lean into. In, 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 into those things so like the way I walk around is weird and the way and I have quite a spontaneous unpredictable energy and when they know that I'm dyspraxic and they've laughed at that I found I don't think I ever did this consciously but now I reflect on it I'm like okay that meant I could lean into that persona a bit more uh, and you mentioned one of the symptoms of the dyspraxia was <laughs> the organisation thing <laughs> but we've also talked about your five minutes and <laughs> structure of five minutes, which sounds like you have to be quite organized <laughs> to structure that. But like, do you think you have structured your five minutes or are good at structuring your five minutes? Cause you know how your brain works. You have to consciously structure that. Does that make sense? Uh, I don't. Yeah, it makes sense. I just don't really know the answer because I never looked at it as it being organized. Like I just sort of did it. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's like if you really, if you're really, if you're really focused on something, like you just sort of, you can, you can. I've found that with dyspraxia throughout my whole life. Like I can juggle. I was a magician when I was twelve to eighteen. Oh, wow. I've done loads of things that are not dyspraxic, and that's just because I wanted to do them. So I was prepared to just be a bit straight you know like you say like I'm organized but whilst I was writing that set it's basically been five years of missing trains with a scruffy notepad in my hand like you know what I mean like yeah just, I, it, it, it's never felt like it was organized uh and I don't think no I, I think I think the struck my talk of structure if I'm completely honest it's just because I'm very competitive so so when I'm in a competition, I just really want to give myself the best edge. And then that sort of made me learn how to how to do structure, I guess. However, I've still not fully cracked like structure in long form, like at all. That's something I'm writing an hour at the moment, and it's maybe the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> so Well, so, I'll tell yeah. you what, we'll get to we'll get to the hour. Oh yeah, we'll, sorry. We'll, we'll step up to 10 minutes and you be would you say, Ricky, would you say there's a difference for you when you... So what are you doing? What's the most you've done, you've had to do? 15s and 20s? Yeah, 20, I've done a couple of club 20s. Um, yeah, but uh, most of what I do are like 15s now. And what do you find the biggest or most difficult leap? I would say the biggest leap is 10 to 15 in my... For me, for me personally. 5 to 10... Because, okay, okay, I would say technically all of them should be the same, really. Because if you're taking each five minutes seriously and you're looking at them all meticulously, they should all be the same. But I think going from a five to a ten, you kind of realize after you've done a few gigs, like, and and once you've done a couple sevens that people throw around, that, like, if you just extend some of your jokes and add a few tags, it kind of naturally becomes ten minutes. Because five minutes of comedy is actually almost too short for a comedy set in some ways so it's kind of naturally can become 10 minutes but then going from 10 to 15 is cut is i see it as different because it's like 
there's something about people's attention that after the 10 minute mark, it's like you better still be able to capture my attention because otherwise they will just drift off into space. And you can really see it happening if you have like a 10 minutes that you're trying to stretch into a 15, but it doesn't really work. I do think the 20 to an hour is like, Fuck me, that is a leap. Like, I, I'm amazed that people do... Even 20 to, like, 45, you know, where someone is... Do, they've been doing 20s around gigs and then they end up doing a 45 in Edinburgh or 50 in Edinburgh. That is such a massive, ridiculous leap. But you're mm. also totally right. That 10 to 15, because a 10 can just be... Um, Sloppy, slightly fatty five, mm. but a fifteen cannot be a sloppy five. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> sloppy five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not comfortable with those phrases at all. <laughs> sloppy five. I like I it. That's fine. There's something so funny about that. Like I don't even know what that would be. Like, no, but how how mad is it? How mad is it that if if we did a sound cloud or one of those things, a a, a picture cloud of the and it just hearing us say things, just five, ten, fifteen, twenty, sloppy, sloppy. type. Like, oh <laughs> sloppy. my good god! <laughs> Give us a sloppy five, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> sloppy. I remember one of my first ever twenties. I did the gig, and um, when I came off. Uh, Silky was uh, the promoter and the compare. And when I came off, he said, to, there was a guy on called, uh, what was his name? Trevor Edwards, something like that, a Canadian guy. And I came off and uh, Silky was having a go at me because I did 35 minutes and I was meant to do 20. And Silky was like, mate, you were meant to do 20. You ended up doing 35. I, oh God, I'm sorry. I can't believe it. I've not even, I don't even think I've got, 35 and Ron, Ronnie Edwards just went, Yeah, you haven't. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Some, I was talking about a comedian today, a new comedian that someone wants me to look at. And they were like, Oh, yeah, he's good. But when he did his first five, he overran to 20 minutes. And you're like, How do you overrun to Run, 20 yeah. when you're doing a five? Yeah, just your perception of time. And also, like, how do you have that much material if you're, like, new to be able to jump like that? Yeah, my guess is that he doesn't. <laughs> that <my> yeah. guess. <laughs> no, it's amazing how many acts, and I've been there myself, is that when you're dying, you sort of go into this almost liberated state where you're like, I can do I can do this, and you, you just forget about time. <laughs> but I think... I think that the 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 way you overrun is if you underestimate how easy it is to overrun. Mm. Like, like if you think you could just go on watchless with no light arranged. Like, even if you, like, even if I'm doing my twenty that I know is twenty, I'll still make sure you're timing it because yeah, it's yeah. because it's so important, you know. Yeah, yeah and because yeah. you can get into. <clears throat> little digression or a little chat with an audience or mm. even, God forbid, an applause break. 
And <laughs> before you know it, that 20 has easily become a 23 without you kind of... Uh, and Steve... La- Have you gigged for Steve Lounce in Bristol, Dan? I don't believe I have, no. He runs uh, the Comedy Box, and it's a brilliant gig, and he's a really brilliant promoter. And I don't know if Ricky has had this situation. <laughs> Do you know what I'm just about to say, Ricky? I've heard stories. I've never had it personally, but I think I know what you're about to say, yeah. Steve Lamb, if you do 20 and you absolutely nail it over nine minutes and 30 seconds, Lounty will go, oh, that was absolutely brilliant. But uh, it was 19 minutes and 30 seconds. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a few of them up this way. There's a few of them up this way. Oh, are there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just that I just that obsession with time. And I think it's important. I think that's why we're talking we're doing this episode. I hope people listening to this episode, I, if this episode does anything, I sort of want it to be like how difficult comedy is. <laughs> like I want people to go, oh wow, comedy's difficult. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, it's a piece of piss, isn't it? Really? Yeah. It's- Kind of, yeah, compared to other stuff. Well, it's like, yeah. it's it's hard, but it's not as hard as doing eight hours lifting bricks. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to decide what is going to be in your five minutes. No, is, yeah. is, is is right. It's not the the world hardest thing, but at the same time, doing stand up to a doing. Do you know what? Not even to a bad degree, a mediocre degree, or even a quite good degree is actually fairly easy. Doing stand-up to a brilliant degree, doing stand-up mm-hmm. to an absolute fucking excellent degree, that's the difficult one. Because mm. if it wasn't, we would all be doing it. Yes. Mm. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. Yeah. yeah. I think it is easy to, once you've cracked the, how to write jokes and how to be funny, it is easy to rest on your laurels and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy where I am. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree that they are that there's a situation where you just go, okay, well, I could do this twenty minutes, Bob's your uncle. But the people who are really good, the people who are, are friends of mine who are famous, the people like Dan who has done really well to win all these competitions and be such a good comic, is like, is the effort. And and do you feel that, Dan? Like, do you do you? Oh, what a weird question this is. Do you feel mm. knackered when you're doing it? Like, do you feel like <laughs> you put a proper shift in? After when I've been on stage or the sort of just the, generally? The of, yeah, or the process of getting that five together or the process of getting that set. Like, is it sort of mentally quite tough? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, it's weird, really, because I always consider myself to be really lazy and not hardworking. Yet all my mates and peers are like what are you talking about like you you work so hard but I, for it's just since you're doing loads of gigs and then you're thinking about it all the time and then yeah it is a bit it is a like it did feel a bit like that like after bbc i was like whoa whoa jesus like because it had just been on my mind for like however many months nothing but that so yeah 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 i'd say say it, it's like it's sort of hard working but you're in a bit of a trance with it, I think. I think the bit that's the bit that's hard is 
and again, I sound so pretentious, but it is just like being desperate for excellence. Like that's something that's happened to me recently where I can do a gig. And again, I sound like a massive knob admitting this, but I can do a gig and have a good set and I'll still be fuming when I listen to the recording because, yeah, you just want to show people like how good you can be and you know you can be better than that. So even if everyone's had a good time, you've, you've, you've not done your best. <laughs> do you which know is, what? I which think... is really unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, it is unhealthy. It is also probably the reason why why I found that I got on with you quite quickly and why I quite liked you quite quickly because you reminded me so much of those irritating fucks that I've lived with. Because <laughs> um, Russell Howard and John Richardson were exactly like that. Like, Richardson is such a brilliant stand-up comedian. Like, I think he's underrated, actually. I think people don't realise... I don't think they watch his specials enough. I don't think they watch him enough because he's so brilliant for that very specific reason. He is so irritatingly perfectionist about mm. it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I don't get it <laughs> because I'm like, <laughs> just, in, just enjoy yourself, mate. It'll be fine. You had fun. <laughs> The audience enjoyed it, and he was like, uh, "I think you'll find actually, I need to go back to my hotel room." And I need, to I need I'm not really sure about that middle part. Acast is the same. Like the 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 depth of the thought that they give. Like Russell's doing new material. Russell did Belly Laugh in King Street for me a couple of weeks ago as a surprise guest. And, you know, he's doing these charity gigs and doing 15 minutes. And, you know, we're going for dinner afterwards and you just see him scribbling down in his little note. But, you know, I must make sure that that topper is there. And I'm like, fucking hell, just chill out. I'm fully aware that is the opposite. (laughs) That's the the opposite um, sort of, uh, what's the word, gospel that I should be giving at this time. Yeah. Never yeah. try. Oh well, or if you don't try, you might be happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Although, in all fairness, they are all very happy because they're all fucking minted and they're at the top of their game. Do you? Yeah. And do you say like? I tell you those examples from anecdotally from me and my friends. Do you see? Do you feel like I'm talking to you, Dan? Like, do you, do you go, oh, God, oh, I feel seen, shit. Like, is that your attitude towards those gigs? Uh, a bit. I mean, I'm hesitant to put myself in the, that category with those amazing people you've named. But, uh, like, yeah, a bit. I, I think I think less, like, I, I've always been more of a performer than a writer. So the only way I'd say, oh, that's not me. I've got some mates who are writing fanatics comics and are obsessed with all the wording. I think usually I'm beating myself up just because I wasn't enough in the room. That's my main thing. I think that's mm. that's the most important thing for me in a gig. And that's the thing that makes a gig is that it doesn't matter it, to an extent what I, I, again, I'm contradicting loads of things I've already said, but it's just, it's complicated. <laughs> being in the room so when I listen to a recording and I can hear my voice isn't 
isn't fully there or I'm on autopilot, it does really, really punish me, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, but I, I do, yeah, I do have that unhealthy connection relationship with it where I need to be, I, I, I really want to be like the best, like, and I'm unhealthily competitive as well, which I don't think is the best drive, but I just want to be, yeah, like the best on a bill. And I'm often not, but that gives me something to work towards. Uh, yeah. Have you um, gigged with uh, Have you gigged with Daniel Kitson? No, never. Yeah, enjoy enjoy that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Ho- horrible. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy, enjoy that. But I remember that was always Russell's thing at the beginning. Russell was very much like you, you know, want to be the best, want to, you know. And then he saw Kitson, and he was like, "Yeah, I think I might just, I just settle for being one of the best." <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I've just so... watched that machine just absolutely, you know, and and, yeah. and that's it is really fun when you start to gig with all these other brilliant comedians and you know whether it's Ricky going to London and seeing all these great comics in London or whether it's Dan being on a bill you know at the BBC because I because I, I like so glad you won but that mm-hmm. final with like Maria Lane like oh mm. my god like I've never seen another comic like her before the lyricism of of what she does and Joshua Bethania like all these people who are just like top of their game. It must be really nice to be able to see those and go, oh, okay, right. So there are other people who are also really good, but I still want to be better than them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But because it is a thing, it's like I, I said, I think I say to people is that you sort of have to be a bit deluded. So there's the, the thinking that you want to try and be the best, but also knowing that that's an insane thing to think. Like you can do both. Like you can be deluded and self-aware about it. So yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, there's, 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 there's loads of amazing people, like <laughs> for sure. They were being, a lot of them have been going less than me. That's the, that's the thing that, that's punishing. So when you ask someone like Joshua Benfield how long he's been going, it literally makes you want to jump off a building. (laughs) 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 Uh, What, um, you're now in the process of doing your hour. Mm -hmm. And is this going to be your debut hour? Yeah, yeah, it is. So, I mean, I did, it's not my debut thing. I did the work in progress 45 uh, last year. Um, so yeah, but it's my de- debut hour. How did it? Firstly, how did it feel doing that forty-five? We might as well continue the theme. We've run it into the ground so far. We might keep going with the the theme of minutes and stuff. How did that feel doing a forty-five? Really, really hard. But it also feels it almost like it lock it unlocks. That the reason I did it is I didn't have a show good to go whatsoever, and I did a lot of crowd work. And often I run under, but that space is just like the the, the length of time you've got. Like, because you're not thinking, let's say you get distracted on a big, long riff. You're not thinking, oh, I need to move that around. You're just like, no, great. Let's keep going on this. Like, uh, And it's weird. There's loads of weird things about it. Like, you, you're the only person on the bill, which is insane. Like, turning up on your own is mad. 
uh, yeah, like the the effect it has on your voice and your energy uh, is crazy. Um, yeah, it, but but when you've had a good good solo show, it feels <laughs> it, it feels great because you're like <laughs> I did that, like I self produced it as well. So because obviously you have a great gig, I like say. I don't know. You have a really good gig at the comedy store and you're like, oh, wow, the comedy store's amazing. Like, all the acts are great. I held my own. But when you've, like, done an Edinburgh show and it's just you, you're like, I did all of that. <laughs> like, I got yeah. everyone in. I I did it all. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Did you fly it for yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fly it for myself. Yeah. I, and I ran, I ran two shows. I did a run a compilation show afterwards as well. Uh, which so it was like 9 p.m. solo, 11 p.m. comp show, uh, which I emceed, which was too, too uh, which I was flying as well. That, that was too much work. I don't know. You you only saw me at the BBC here at Edinburgh, but I was I was like I was having a mad month. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like someone Tom Ward said to me that he saw me at one point and I just came up to him in the street and went I feel like I'm getting worse <laughs> uh, yeah so the question was and that was a really complicated answer yeah it was just how it feel but yeah it's mad it, this is crazy 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 different I think oh do you expect because an Edinburgh show like only really has to be 50 minutes like yeah, yeah. you know that step up isn't massive do yeah. you are you learning things already in the process that makes you go oh okay right I think I can work out what I might need to do a bit extra to to hit the the excellence Fifty that you want because because you yeah. don't want to just get away with it. Like I'm quite no. happy to just get away <laughs> with it. So yeah. are you learning? What are you learning to hit that excellent fifty? Well, so for instance, a big thing I was planning on um, was just to do like a fifty minute club set, but I found in order to do an amazing show, that's actually really really difficult. So uh, one thing I'm learning is that to have a little bit of a thread, I think, is helpful. Uh, because it gives you a bit more direction rather than being like, and can write about anything. Like, what do I choose? Uh, yeah, I think taking risks in previews. Uh, I need to plug my phone in. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, so, like, for instance, when I'm doing a preview, like, I, the big thing I'm learning is, like, I have to be prepared to bomb. I have to be prepared to fail. Else I'm wasting the preview. Mm. Are you already previewed? This is late February at the moment, and Edinburgh's not till August. Are you already doing previews? Yeah, I've done three, and we're going to aim for twenty-five. Is the plan? And how? And of those three so far, have you like have you eaten ass at those three? Uh, any of those so far? Um. So the first one was really, really difficult. Um, it's the very like scrappy. Because you don't remember, so you're checking your notes a lot, and you become a bit vulnerable. And, and uh, yeah, they've been tough. Um, the best one, the last one I did was on a comedy festival. Oh, you've gone a little bit. Come back to us. Say again. There you are. You're back. I think you you walked away for a moment. I think you uh, 
you put your oh, headphones I was uh, I was talking directly to my phone. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just my connection. Full disclosure, I've had to take my headphones charge my uh, phone, which I tried to do before, but then uh, it, it was stressing me out, so I put them back in. Um, but yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, 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 yeah. We can hear. You. All right, great, great, great. Where did uh, Where did you lose me? Where do you want me to carry on from? Uh, it was scrappy from from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because basically, I've been checking, like, I'm checking my notes and stuff. And you, as you're doing that, just that little moment where you check your notes, you feel like you lose the whole crowd. Like, you feel mm. like you break the illusion. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Some people like that, though. It's it's like, it makes them feel like, oh, this is rough and ready. And this is the real stand up. And when you get like a good new joke, I think people like seeing you get a bit excited about that. Like, oh, that one can stay. Uh, but I do find like when you've got a mad high energy persona like mine, where you're sort of thriving off the potential unpredictability of them not knowing what you're going to do. As soon as you look at the notes, it just sort of like, oh, this is, this isn't real. Like it breaks away. Like, I think it yeah, makes them feel less like they're watching a cartoon. I remember seeing a uh, a documentary. It was called, I think it was called Edinburgh Bust, and it was back in the late nineties when Lee Evans won the main award. Mm-hmm. And his show that he won it for was quite famous because he basically there was a clip of these judges talking about the show, and they had to go and see him more than once just at that first level because. All the judges remembered different parts of the show. And it basically turned out he had 90 minutes of material that he was just trying to get into 60 minutes. (laughs) And so not every show was the same. You know, it was like there were three or four different versions because it was like, you know, the Lee Evans energy is like nothing else I have ever seen. I mean, Dan, I know you talk about your energetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing this is something that the two of you would have missed because he's not done an arena show for a while. I'm guessing neither of you have seen the Evans in a little room, right? Uh not in a little room. No, no. he's my uh, he's my number one like guy, uh, and uh, yeah, I'd I, 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 he's retired now, isn't he? But I I, I adore him in a club. Heard rumors that he might come back and do another show. <laughs> I'd love that. I'd love to but, see Do you know how he used to do the preparations for the talks? No, I don't think so. Oh, mate, this is going to make you so angry that you're not as old as I am. So, <laughs> to do his arena tours in, like, the November, um, in the sort of September, October, he'd be doing, you know, 2,000 seaters. Maybe in the autumn, maybe in the June and July, he'd be doing, uh, you know, 500 seaters theatres. In the March, April and May, every weekend, he would do the Glee Clubs. Mm. And he would do Birmingham Glee, then Cardiff Glee, then Birmingham Glee, then Cardiff Glee, in front of 300 people. And he'd insist on going on the mid in the middle. So he'd do it as the club night. So I've compared Billy Evans doing his new material 
in those gigs um, where he would do, you know, an hour, uh, 45 minutes, an hour and 20, you know, in the middle of the room because he didn't want to close it. <laughs> and because uh, he was Why trying do you think he didn't this... want to close it, Mark? Because he was trying new material because he, because this yeah. was brand new stuff and he wanted it to kind of, he wanted it to be, mm-hmm. he wasn't going to be, you know, uber confident that this was the finished stuff and wasn't yeah, but, arrogant enough to think that he was going to be better than all the other comics. Yeah, but then he's willing to say, but, you know, they'd probably rather watch me do this for an hour than a new person do 15 or whatever, right? Yeah, but also it was really fun, especially comparing watching someone go on after it. It was always so much fucking fun. And <laughs> watching watching Mitch Ben go on after Lee Evans and Mitch Ben storm it in a kind of, well, of course I'm meant to be here way, was absolutely incredible. But seeing him in those little rooms and seeing him in the dress room afterwards, the energy is like nothing else I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah. I wonder what was he like off stage? Like, because in interviews, for instance, he's very, like, uh, he's still, he's very on, right? And uh, I've got a mate called Carl Porter, who's an amazing comic, and he's, like, very uh, Lee Evans-esque. He does a lot of voices and noises in his act. But he's the bloody same off stage. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Lee, Lee wasn't really, he wasn't really on. He was, he was on in terms of his focus, Mm-hmm. When he was on stage doing the new material, he was like, focus, I'm doing this new stuff for a purpose. Focus, focus, focus. And when he would come off stage, he was very humble and he wasn't like crazy Lee Evans. But you could still see him wanting to get to his notebook and talk to his manager and think about the yeah. things that he had just done. You know, that was that was very his driven. On. Oh, yeah, yeah. super like so driven, but so driven by, and again, it's the word you use, so driven by that excellence of wanting that tour show to be perfection. And, you know, me and Russell went, me and Russell went to watch Lee Evans do one of these gigs at the Glee Club in Cardiff because Russell, Lee Evans was always Russell's favourite as well. So we've been gigging for about six months when we discovered that he was doing this. And so we managed to get a ticket to a show. Um, and it was, and we were sat like four rows back and just watching someone with that, uh, that drive for excellence was amazing. was unbelievable. Mm. Mm. Um, I think we have learned anything new today. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, Is that my fault? I, <laughs> no, on. no, but I'll tell you why. Because the thing about this podcast, whenever we have an episode like this about, I don't know, finding your voice or getting comfortable on stage or or doing tour support or warm up, it's all that the it always ends up with. So the lesson of today. Is to yeah. work as hard as you can, do it as often as possible, and eat your vegetables. Don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah, eat your vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Ricky, does that seem does that seem a fairly good summation of this episode? It's another one of those where we go, oh fuck, there's not a shortcut, and we're gonna have to work really hard. 
Yeah. 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 That's definitely the moral. I mean, I think, uh, I think what's useful about this is hearing a comedian talk about their process. Like, what do they do? What does, how do they see comedy? Cause even like, I mean, what's been good for the, about this for me is like just hearing how everyone is kind of different. No one has ever said the same thing about how they see their sets or how they see getting better. Like there are themes about working hard and all that stuff that we just said, eating your veg, if that, that'll help. But like, apart from that, it really is like the, like the way you speak about it, Dan, where it's about the, the how you see five minutes, like, like that's something I've never heard before. So the lessons are very specific to the podcast, which is why, dear listener, you should listen to the whole thing in its entirety. <laughs> that was smooth, Ricky. Yeah. That was very it really smooth. Was. But you see why I like him, Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, Not fucking tricks. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it it it, it is mad. Um, because the one thing that's really nice that I hope, I, I like, just because you're doing well, it doesn't mean that you've nailed it all. It's still most comics I still think feel a bit like they don't fully know what they're doing. Like, yeah, and they're and they're winging it. And and I'm sure, like, if you spoke to someone like Lee Evans on the first day of him writing his new show, he would, I guess, although I find it hard to believe, but I would guess probably feels like that a bit. Oh, no, I mean, 100%. I've seen it. Like, I've literally been there mm-hmm. when he's, like, he he would do Thursdays to Saturdays and do it in the Glees. And I was lucky a couple of times to just coincidentally have, like, Cardiff one weekend, Birmingham the next weekend. And so Celie Evans, you know, six days out of ten or something like that. And, you know, there were times when he was bricking it. There were times when he'd come off and feel like, he hadn't done enough. And, you know, every single person that, that we know who is a high achiever in this nonsense world um, has those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they all do. They all, and, and I think that's why if you want, if you listen to this and you want to be, like, the best and you want to excel, then kind of what you have to do you know you have to kind of uh i can be i'm a bit of a prick and sometimes i will see like pictures on instagram of local comedians enjoying a social night out together and i look at it and i go you're fucking losers you should be doing a new material night somewhere why are you going bowling Stop being a prick. Come on. <laughs> so don't go bowling. Go to yeah. material nights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm such an idiot about it because I'm fully aware that that is not a healthy way forward. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's interesting, isn't it? Like you're, you're Mr. Chilled out and relaxed and enjoy it. But even a part of you is like, you do some fucking work. Yeah, but you're an absolute workaholic, Mark, aren't you? You work all the time. A little bit, a little bit. I've got an <laughs> evening off an evening off tonight, but if someone said to me, Oh, do you want to come and do ten? I would 
bite their hand off. You know, someone... <laughs> That's mad. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that mad? Well, no, I, I agree because I'm just saying I think I, I, don't, I, 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 I would probably do the same. But, you know, then that's insane at your night off to be like, yeah, I'll go do that for free or whatever. Oh, mate, I mean, it's even worse. If someone said to me, so what am I? I'm in London tomorrow doing warm-up for the last leg. <clears throat> and if someone said to me, you know, oh, he's... I need someone to go to, I don't know, anywhere between Bristol and London. And that could literally be Birmingham or Portsmouth, which isn't between Bristol or London. And they said to me, oh, do you want, we've only got 50 quid. Do you want to do, do you want to come and do 20 minutes and you could do some new stuff? Because it's a bit of a shit gig. Uh, I'd be like, yeah. And I'd leave now and I'd pack my bag and I'd get myself a hotel and then I'd go to London tomorrow. You know, like, yeah. is... It is an illness in that way. Yeah, but then the thought of going bowling with your friends and having fun is absolutely like <laughs> ridiculous, right? Uh, ridiculous and shit. Sorry, I don't. I genuinely, <laughs> I genuinely don't know what you mean. Like, am I meant to? Well, you mean ridiculous as in that sounds really good? No, I was just saying to you that that sounds that sounds shit. It's just interesting, oh, isn't it? It sounds ridiculous, <laughs> mate. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right now. Myself and Ricky though will never have a social night out. I am saying that. <laughs> no. I like I can see myself just promoting gigs just to see Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only way you can get him. You gotta create yeah. a job. <laughs> Warm up, mate. Warm up. Yeah. Warm up. You yeah, become yeah. a production manager on a TV show. I'm we'll happy yeah. all the time. We'll see each other all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And I suppose that's it. There you go. That is the moral. It's that it's just comedians are, are not well. Uh, we're stupid people, and we really like doing comedy. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good way to end it. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Uh, Dan, thank you very much. Now you said that you had to uh, you had to finish at a particular time because you're working tonight. So all this stuff about me having my night off, you're <laughs> the one actually doing a gig, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Warrington. Uh, yeah. Um, but I'm opening, though. Uh, 20. Are you in a position at the moment where you're like, oh, God, I'm so focused on my Edinburgh show that I'm going to do the stuff I know works, but I'm going to try and throw in, like, five, ten minutes of new? Or are you going to be quite well-behaved? No, nah, so I will throw some stuff in, but that's mainly because I'm so bored of my 20s. It's actually funner for me. Like, it makes the other stuff work better now if I throw a bit of newer stuff in. Because, yes. yeah, it wake, wakes me up. Like, it doesn't make me feel like I'm on autopilot. But it's really scary throwing in a new bit into your 20, but I think it's a really healthy thing to do. Yeah, that makes Good. sense. Well, enjoy Warrington. I'm going to enjoy <laughs> going bowling by myself I think I think that's what I'm going to do um, I've been bowling by myself actually I've been temping bowling uh, on <laughs> I don't know why this is such a psycho image like this guy yeah there's something head. about that that's quite yeah. disturbing uh, for some yeah, just, and, I know, and I know the fact that you don't drink almost makes it more creepy like just drinking <laughs> um, how about even creepier I've been I've done crazy golf on my own Oh, God. That's so weird. <laughs> I had the opportunity to go go-karting on my own, but I definitely <laughs> give it a go. 
It's completely fine. Like going to the, I go to the cinema on my own. I love it, but there's something about those activities on your own yeah. that just makes them so so sociopathic. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love it though. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Well, that seems to be a perfectly weird way to end this actually quite helpful podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for having me. Okay. I'll see you soon. Nice oh, one. Captain, Bye. my captain. Bye, Bye Dan. Bye.